Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another edition of the Truth Podcast with Calvin Lewis, and I hope everyone is having a great Wednesday night slash Thursday morning or whenever you are listening to the podcast. Uh, it is currently, as I said, February 3rd, 2021. It is a beautiful, it was a beautiful day here in the Imperial Valley. A lot of clouds, a little bit of wind at the end of it, but uh, nothing we couldn't really handle. Um, it wasn't dirty. It wasn't disgusting wind. We usually get that around the desert area because of the fact that we are in a desert and we do have these sandstorms that pop up every now and then. Uh, yeah, it does get a little gunky sometimes, uh, but nothing like Phoenix. Phoenix, I just recently was watching the Weather Channel. As you guys know, I'm a big weather nerd, and because uh, I think it's just it's just a lovely display of God's might and power. And I was watching a special on sandstorms, dust storms, in. Phoenix, Arizona, and my goodness, those are some of the scariest clouds you will ever see. If you guys have not, you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you guys haven't watched the shows that I've watched on the Weather Channel, go and look up just dust storms and sandstorms in Phoenix, Arizona, or even, in, I'm, I'm sure, in the Middle East, obviously, but I'm just using the United States example of uh, of what we see on a grander scale in deserts. These huge old sandstorms and dust storms just coming up out of nowhere and really scaring the bejeebies out of everybody. And uh, yeah, I wasn't even, I, I was just watching it on the screen and I was like, oh my gosh, uh, those poor people. Who have to, it literally blocks out the daylight. Uh, that's, I mean, it looks, oof, yeah, that's just ominous. But uh, we didn't have any of that in the valley this uh, past time there was wind. So that's, something to be thankful for. Uh, I was just watching Alien 2. I don't know if you guys have watched the old school Alien, 1980s Alien, with Sigourney Weaver as the hero and the star of that movie. But it was very good. It was not, you know, the graphics didn't really hold up, I have to admit. It really was uh, something to behold. This These like Muppet-like aliens, you know, the one that comes out of the chest of that or the stomach of that dude. That's eerie. That almost made me like want to turn it off just because I knew it looked ridiculous. But I mean, just the the idea of an alien coming out of somebody's stomach as I'm eating food is not the best visual for a healthy digestion. But uh, I made it through the movie. I was not, I had, I'll admit, there were some parts where the silence got to me and I had to close my eyes off or I had to uh, put my hand in front of my face, that type of thing. Call me a scaredy cat. I am a huge scaredy cat, not big into horror movies. And I would consider that alien a horror movie. It was more, less so science fiction. I know it is Alien. The title is Alien, and it's, you know, in outer space. It takes place in the future. I get it. But at the same time, it was more like a horror movie just because it took place in one spot, and there's this monster in, you know, the ship that everyone is trying to infiltrate and trying to kill, and it just picks them off one by one. Surprise and spoiler alert if you guys aren't into Alien. That's what happens in the movie. And then Sigourney Weaver kicks butt. So, uh, yeah, yeah, my great uh, night so far in the valley. But uh, today I wanted to talk to you guys, uh, getting on to the scripture and getting on to the... Um, the gist of the message today and what God has has put on my heart uh, lately. Um, materialism. Materialism. Now, why have Christians become so materialistic? Why do we crave the things of the world more so than at any other time in the history of our existence? Why do we lust after technology like it's God? Why do we put our faith in men's wisdom rather than the wisdom of God. 
If we take a look around the old American church, we can find plenty of examples of materialism that have sprouted up over the years. We've seen pastors grow fat in their positions. They invest in their private jets and helicopters, ride around in their Rolls Royce Phantoms, sit pretty in their million-dollar mansions, wearing thousand-dollar suits while they ask you, the people, for more donations and beg you to tithe more. It's no wonder people see Christians as hypocrites, particularly in this area. We don't even have to go too far to see this at work. On any given day, you can overhear Christians speaking of the last iPhone, how they need a new laptop, how they need more clothes, how they need a new car. We get sidetracked, distracted from the will of God, from the ultimate purpose He's called us to, the real mission we are to execute on His behalf. It is no wonder why Timothy tells us in his first letter in the sixth chapter and the ninth verse, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Very, very strong stuff from Timothy. We start just paying attention to the surfaces of things, and this gives rise to the habit of just observing the surfaces of people. We become shallow in our analysis of everything because that's how sin works. It's pervasive, meaning it's everywhere and anywhere all the time in your life. Once you let the cat out of the bag, good luck trying to get it back in. It's like uh, alien, actually, when you look at it. It's uh, uh, kind of a metaphor, euphemism, whatever you want to call it. In the movie, they have a choice in the beginning to not let the infected uh, people back into the ship. And Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, makes the call to not let them back in, to not let them back into the ship until they're quarantined for 24 hours because the guy still has a, a face snatcher, whatever it is, an alien, on his face. But the robot, Ash, overrides Ripley and lets the alien in anyway. So once the cat's out of the bag, again, good luck trying to get it back in. That's how materialism works. That's how sin works. And materialism doesn't feel like a sin. And I suppose that's why so many in the modern church are so easily lured in by its appeal, by the glitz of surface-level thinking, which is to say they're into not thinking at all. God built us as complex creatures, driven for complex issues and able to handle complex problems with His guidance and leadership. What an insult it is to His creation when He sees us falling for cravings of such a shallow nature, he didn't craft us to be so driven by the shiny stuff. The new car, the new watch, the Gucci belt, the Versace underwear, the, the Valentino suits, the Armani sunglasses. We're sold that kind of thinking by a world that wants to make us consumers of everything but God. 1 John 2, 15, 16 tells us this much when it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. I mentioned uh, in the last podcast I was in Las Vegas just recently, and this was my third trip to Sin City in the past three years. The trip before last was my first time ever experiencing the Strip. And for those of you guys and gals who are unfamiliar with how Vegas operates, the Strip is essentially all the big, bad, huge, ritzy casinos compiled on one street. The Bellagio, Caesars Palace, the Flamingo, the Venetian, MGM Grand, they're all in one spot in the center of Party Town. And on this second trip that I took with my cousin, I found myself walking down the Strip and falling ill to my stomach. It wasn't anything I ate, it wasn't anything in the air, 
It wasn't COVID. No, it, what was making me feel sick was the fact this was the first time I had ever seen such mass consumerism on display. People, particularly younger people, were walking around with bags from all these huge brands. Versace, John Varvados, Balenciaga, Louis Vuitton, Michael Kors, Cartier, Salvatore Ferragamo, Christian Louboutin, Gucci, Armani, Hugo Boss, Canali, Bernini, Brooks Brothers, I can go on. These people were all droned out on their iPhones, and I couldn't help but feel an overwhelming sense of gloom amidst all the high-end hubbub going on around me. Something didn't feel right. They had purchased all of these clothes and accessories, and yet for some reason, it was saddening to me, and maybe because I knew deep down they thought they were going to fill a void when they got back home and tried on all this apparel they thought would make them stand out, make them feel special. Now, nice things are nice. I'm not against any of the brands mentioned. God made talented tailors and artists and fa fashionistas like he makes everyone else. My main qualm out of all that I saw was the deep pit of despair we are in right now as humans, and more specifically, as Americans. We have begun to replace the part of our hearts reserved for God with the covetousness of our own flesh, making the market our ultimate shrine. We have become completely irresponsible idiots, blindly following the next trend, failing to think of why we are doing this much, and failing even more so to think of the repercussions one can incur by willingly going along with the crowd. Materialism banks its will in the idea that humans stop thinking and just start following what their eyes are telling them. The Bible tells us that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7, I already uh, mentioned that verse on the last podcast. I say it here again because of the emphasis. Why does God give us this warning? Because he knows his own creation. He knows how fallen we are. He knows how deeply flawed we have become, especially in these last days. He sees the filth materialism is and the spell his own church has fallen under in getting in line with the world's idea of success. Many of us have forgotten the words of Jesus when he says in Luke 12, 15, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. My friends, we must never fail to remember, and unfortunately, we have and must come back to the realization that without God, we have no victory in this life or the next. We cannot continue to live like many of us have as false Christians, reaching for worldly possessions and valuing junk that will never get us into heaven. God doesn't care what kind of car you drive, what club you're a part of, how many stories your house is. He cares that you love him and make him a priority in your life. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That scripture really says it all. In layman's terms, God is enough. So many of us have lost the knowledge of understanding that God is the ultimate prize. That money cannot quell and satisfy the thirst we have for our Maker and Divine Father. We must continue to strive to be filled with Him daily not with what the latest deal is on Amazon or with what price our TV is compared to our friends and families or why Joe is making more money than Sally. We have to stay focused, stay disciplined in the fact that our God is longing for our attention, that he is jealous for our eyes and ears and is unwilling to share our hearts with the sin of covetousness into eternity. Matthew 6, 19, 21 gives us a passage from Jesus that has him telling his followers, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Our ultimate reward abounds in the heavenly realm if we so choose to execute on this conviction. It is up to us, the new church, to stand and rise against the old church and its withered and wicked way of thinking and assemble under our God, not for our own gain or for our own material sake, but because we love who our God is, who he has been to every single one of us as his redemptive children, and what he will do in our lives when we are obedient and follow his commands and place our ultimate faith and treasure in him. My friends, again, we must uh, really counter the spirit of materialism that is so rampant in the American church today, that has taken root and taken hold of every single pastor that puts money over God, puts flash over faith. We cannot do that. We cannot continue to live lies as Christians, caring what people think about what car we drive, where we live, who we live with. Folks, it's not about that. We are here to please God and God alone. The scriptures say that if we were to be pleasers of men, we would not be Christians. That if we were to seek out the approval of men, we would not be serving God. And as Christians, we are called to serve God. We are called to serve our divine creator, our divine father, our divine healer, our counselor. He is all of that and so much more. And he has created us to love him, to obey his commands, to preach the truth, to preach the gospel, to preach his spirit, not our own flawed human spirit. And yet so many of us have fallen, have fallen away from the faith, quite frankly have fallen away from the idea that God is the center of it all, that Christ should be the focal point in our lives. Many of us have instead wandered off into what the next video game is, right? Or been consumed by an artist on Spotify, or listened to a podcast about, I don't know, uh, let's talk about philosophy, more than you would a podcast or Uh, about scripture or teaching on scripture. I know right now it's tough, especially with COVID, to prioritize actually, you know, viewing church, whether it's on Zoom or on YouTube. I'm not big on the YouTube sermons, though I will say uh, YouTube was a great help, was used as a tool uh, by God, for God, for his purpose, for me, in terms of getting my life back in order, Uh, being able to view sermons by hallowed, Uh, And very blessed preachers like John MacArthur, Charles Stanley, Tony Evans, Alistair Begg, uh, these men of conviction, these men of faith, these men of righteousness, they're powerful preachers. But I understand the idea that it is tough right now to actually physically be in church. I get that. But you can also uh, put God in your priorities in your life by just choosing to behave differently. By choosing to walk by his sight and not ours. By faith. And by faith in him. Materialism is based solely on the idea that we as humans, we got this. That we don't need anything else. Right now is all we need. Temporary relief from whatever pain you may be experiencing. Maybe a loved one passed away. Maybe you're suffering from a breakup. Maybe your mom and dad got divorced. Anything along those lines. Materialism can seep in and say, well, just spend, spend, spend. 
whether it's drugs or alcohol or just shirts at Express, right? Or blouses at Forever 21. It can just try and fill that hole, fill that gap. I've seen so many people uh, spending money on whether it's it's vapes or jewels or just regular cigarettes, trying to feel something, trying to get uh, this void that they've developed for some reason or another. I suppose because they don't have God in their life to fill that void. The only being on earth, under the earth, and over the earth that can fill that void. He's not there. So they're trying to fill him up with, uh, fill that void up with uh, a substitute. A substance that can substitute that kind of feeling. And it may feel good in the moment. You may get high. You may get drunk. You may feel good wearing your new clothes that day. But in the end, it will never satisfy the eternal reward that you get when you get to experience God in his fullness, in his entirety. No brand of clothing or of drink or of drugs can ever satisfy that. None. None whatsoever. No type of car you drive will ever satisfy the feeling you get when you finally get to experience God in his fullness in your life and to have you fulfill his purpose with your life. It's an incredible feeling, folks, and it's not something we should really be running away from. Unfortunately, a lot of us as Christians have run away from that obligation, have run away from our priorities, have failed to combat the spirit of materialism, and instead just kind of seed over, right? We just kind of like, yeah, lay over and take it. That kind of Christianity is done in this country. It is done in our generation. We are calling that demon of complacency out of our church, out of our lives. And we are putting God back on the pedestal he belongs on. And my friends, right now, I know it looks difficult. I know the road to faith has never been more, I guess you could say, under pressure, to put it nicely, I guess. But it is up to us to answer the call to answer the Spirit of God that is calling each and every single one of us that are listening to the broadcast right now, to combat all of these demons that are coming against the new Christian church. The devil sees and hears everything that's going on with this new church, with this rising movement of young Christians taking initiative, taking action, being bold, stepping up, getting out and making the presence of God known in the church and outside the church into the country and all over the world. God loves this, and the devil hates this. And the devil is making every single attempt in his weak, frail, disgusting little existence to try and crush and quell the strength of this movement. Well, he can't. You want to know why he can't? Because he's the devil. He's a weakling. He's a spineless fool that got kicked out of heaven. He was already there. The first angel to ever get kicked out of heaven, Lucifer, the dumbest angel ever. The most beautiful, but looks are are very deceiving. (laughs) Inside, he was a covetous, covetous angel. And that's where that sin originated. He was covetous of God. He said, I want God's position. I want to rule the heavens. I want to make my name greater than the one who sits on heaven's throne. And so he got kicked out after a battle with God's forces. Along with a third of the angels, he went into hell. God prepared a place for him. 
where all sinners go, where all covetous people go. My friends, we must combat that spirit in its entirety. It is time we take action. It is time we begin to really step into faith and step in line with God and fulfill our moral and spiritual obligations as Christians and mobilize an effort that no one will ever be able to deny. It's a very scary thing sometimes to take initiative, but when you do it, and when you do it, when God tells you to, it's never a better feeling. Not a more liberating feeling in the world, I'll tell you that. It is truly powerful on another scale. It gives you chills. So let's take initiative. Let's be bold and stand in faith and call out and strike out against the spirit of covetousness, the demon of covetousness and materialism that has taken hold of the church, that has corrupted the church. And let us, again, make a new church. Let us reestablish our faith and our commitment to God like the people of Israel did so many, so many years ago. Let us reaffirm our faith by casting out the demon of materialism. And folks, I guarantee you, your life will be better. You'll stop worrying about what people say on social media. You'll stop worrying about what people say on Facebook, on Twitter, on what they have to say about your Instagram post. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. You don't have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from or what you're going to eat and how you're going to eat it. Well, how expensive. I have people in my life that, that compare uh, how, how many hundreds of dollars their clothes are. And they think that bragging about it makes them a better person or makes them feel special for some reason. They fail to realize that those clothes you can't take into heaven. And then again, a lot of those people actually don't believe in heaven. So there's that. (laughs) Shallow people, as I said earlier, shallow people believe in shallow things. We are called to a higher purpose. We are called to serve our God, to love our God, to care and cherish his word, to know his word, and to make it known all over the world. And we cannot do that if we have these demons running rampant in our church. We must clean out the church. We must totally rectify our status with God by combining our faith with him with works that please him. And so that is my prayer. I leave you guys on that note. Uh, a shorter sermon today, but it is what it is. I'll see you guys in a couple of days, hopefully, and we'll see what, what God has in store then for the message. But until then, follow us on Facebook at Calvin Olivas and follow us on uh, Instagram at Olivas Calvin. And with that said, we'll see you guys in a couple of days. God bless you and thank you very much.